So these texts that we had from mainly from Psalm 51 and our first Timothy has really been cutting deep into my heart these last couple of weeks. And I was, um, I was going through some stuff in our house. We're, we're at that place where we're trying to get all of our children's stuff back to them. And uh, anybody know that? Parents with young children only save what they want to take, please. Um, in the process of that, I, um, I found another card from my pastor growing up. And I've shared this a lot with my staff. And, um, and what I noticed, not when I first read it, it wasn't a long card, but um, it was written on Easter Eve. Wow. And he was a, it was a big church he served. Um, he took the time on Easter Eve to write me a little note. Isn't that amazing? Um, nothing really powerful in the note other than I'd obviously written him a note um, and told him some things. And he said that in that note, he said, um, one of the joys of ministry is being supported by the body of Christ. Isn't that amazing? And just really affirmed that. So what the Lord had been speaking to me um, was about Timothy who was Paul's understudy. Um, lots of ways I could go and unpack who Timothy was. But just to say this, Paul saw himself as a real spiritual father for Timothy. Don't know about his father other than he was a Gentile, a Greek. But he assumed a, a really important role in Timothy's life. Um, Paul wrote this letter if he didn't write it. It's a, it's a, it says First Timothy. It's really the second letter he wrote him. And it was well on in his life if he wrote it. Um, I see the connection with my pastor. I looked up the date. Um, my senior pastor retired the next year. Um, 27 years he'd been the, the pastor of that church. So I'm kind of getting a little nostalgic thinking about Timothy. And then I thought about the words that Paul chose to write to Timothy. Not the whole letter. There's a lot in this letter. But just what we read today. Um, and to me, they tell a story um, of a conversion, of transformation, of a life renewed, um, this is Paul, by the relentless and inexhaustible love and mercy of God. And, that's, and listen to these words. Um, this is what Laurie read for us. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience. I love that phrase, perfect patience, as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. So there are two categories which define us. The foremost of sinners, that's us, right? Um, and also um, those who are to believe in this word for eternal life. That's us, all right? So I'm going to just kind of unpack that, and then I'm going to end with Psalm 51. Um, so this being true, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, um, even Paul the foremost, who then is outside the reach of God? Is anybody no one. 
Uh, next week, we're going to hear from the second chapter, which became the second chapter of this letter. And Paul writes on, first of all, Timothy, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. And then four more times he says all. Now, I'm just talking about God's desire here. All right. I'm not talking about what finally happens. Who knows? But it goes on and says, this is good, verse 3 in chapter 2, and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So who is outside the reach of God's relentless love of God? Is anybody? And then um, guess what? God's desire is that all be saved. I believe that. The truth that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners is this truth that Paul was telling Timothy to hold on to in the midst of a culture that probably struggled much like ours did. Um, One more note. This is a more intimate look. These verses are also a beautiful story that, that shows us the power of God's grace to not only change our enemy's heart, but also to change our heart as well. No wonder Luke opens. Did anybody pick up on that? That great chapter 15 on all the lost. You got the lost sheep. Then you got the rejoicing over the found coin. The next one is the lost what? Sons, the parable of the prodigal sons. He starts that section saying this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. Amen. Who are the tax collectors and sinners? That's us. And they were drawing near to him because there was something about the reality that he came into the world in relentless, inexhaustible, perfect patience for us. Isn't that amazing? Did you you pick up on the little story from Exodus? I'm not going to, I didn't touch on it at eight, but um, I don't know how long Moses had been up on the mountain when they lost patience with him, (laughs) but it was not nearly as long as they'd been in bondage. And it had nothing to do with the fact that he brought them out of bondage in Egypt through the Red Sea, and they got to this point, and yet they lost patience. Anybody lose your patience? I'll send an email out to one of you guys, and it might be the next, well, the younger you are, the longer it is before you respond. I do know that. Um, But it might be two or three hours, and I'll lose my patience. What is that about? It's not perfect patience. Hear this, all of us. In our exuberance of being captured by the perfect patience, let us not forget we are all part of the all, are we not? The sinful, broken, willful whom Christ Jesus came into the world to save. That's us. Of which in more than one moment, I believe this, in which in more than one moment of your life and my life, we had been the foremost of sinners. Just, even if it was just one, don't you think? One moment in your life where you just turned away from the Lord. Um, growing up, I, I learned a definition of sin, which I still think is the best. Um, it was in our 79 Catechism. It says this, Sin is seeking our own will rather than the will of God thus distorting our relationship with God, with other people, and with all creation. And all creation includes ourselves. 
We get this distorted, seeking our own will. This idea of who God is, who others are, and who I am get distorted, does it not? Seeking my own will distorts, misses the mark, misrepresents the perfect patience of God, does it not? We get impatient. We can't believe other people act like that. So I want to, I want to wrap this up. Um, and I'm just going to go to my scriptures here. I, I don't have anything written down here. I made some notes in my Bible. If you've got one, go to Psalm 51. And what I want to share with you um, is a way that I have been learned to deal with my lack of per- perfect patience, my own sinful nature. And we do it every single Sunday in church. It's called confession. Um, but it's more than just confession. It's about what the Holy Spirit brings us to confession. It's about not just confession, and then we often want to go amend a life. You know, if you've done something wrong or say your child does something wrong, they say, I'm sorry, I won't do it. What? Again, that's amendment of life. But they missed a huge point there. And what they missed was the absolution of God. When you sin, before you go to say, I'm going to amend my life, do you say, Lord, I'm your treasured possession. I'm yours. I'm, I'm created in your image. I can't help but think that when Paul wrote these words, he was thinking of Psalm 51. He didn't have the New Testament. Don't you know he knew Psalm 51? He knew David's sin. Um, I'm not going to assume everybody knows this, but Psalm 51, um, probably universally understood, was written by David after not just one act of sinning, which was a, a, he had an infidelity with Bathsheba, but that was a long season. It was a season where I would guess he probably broke every commandment there was. He lusted, he envied, he coveted. He probably wasn't really worshiping with his whole heart. On, I mean, I'm just kind of saying, he covered pretty much all of them. He committed murder, all these things. And then he writes Psalm 51, which we sang. And so I want to just touch it with you real quick. Confession comes after we've been convicted of sin. All right? We confess when the Holy Spirit works in our life um, and convicts us of our need to confess and return to the Lord. Now, if you look in the Old Testament, the reason David um, was convicted of his sin is because Nathan told him. All right? Nathan said, David, this is you. But What I think is important when we look at the Old Testament to understand is oftentimes the Old Testament is a metaphor for our spiritual journey. Just like the book of Exodus is a metaphor for our journey out of bondage into the promised land. So I want to say that Nathan was the Holy Spirit. Nathan represents the Holy Spirit coming into our life and saying, Robert or whoever, um, this is what's going on in your life. You're seeking your own will and not the will of, of the Lord. And look at your relationships. They're distorted. David's were distorted forever. Um, Distorted. And so after that conviction, David cries out, Here, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to the abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Um, That's not getting particular, but that's saying, Lord, um, I know this now. I'm crying out to you. Then listen to the confession. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have our sin. Guys, that is so huge right there. 
when we sin, and when we do our own will instead of the will of the Lord, who are we sinning against? We're sinning against the Lord. Because we were created in His image. And so when we don't live into that image God creates to be, we're sinning against the one who created us. And David knew that, and you're right. Well, at least the Holy Spirit spoke that to him. And he said, against you, you only have our sin. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. Behold, you delight in, in truth in my inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. So this is confession. The next part is not amendment of life. The next part is absolution. The next part is where God says, this is who you are. You're my treasured possession in so many words. Let me read it to you. David says, purge me with hyssop. You know, hyssop was the same branch that they dipped in the, the wine and put up to Jesus. Isn't that interesting there? Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Lord, you do this. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Listen to what God's wanting to do to restore David. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. This is only the Lord can do this. If we say, I'm going to do better, guess what? We won't. If we don't do it in the strength of the Lord. And then he goes on and says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. God, you're doing this, not me. This is absolution. This is the Lord restoring David. And he goes on and says, Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Isn't that beautiful? But then, listen to this. Then, I will teach transgressors your ways. Listen to what Paul said. What did Paul say? Why did the Lord restore Paul? Did anybody pick up on that? Let me read it again. He says this, But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, what? Sinner, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of ages, immortal and visible. David writes this. Um, Deliver me from, excuse me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Open our lips, O Lord, and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifices, but what? A contrite and humble spirit. So, um, what I want to close with is this. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And no one, no one is out of reach of this perfect patience. Amen? Amen. Wait. From your presence, O Lord, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Amen.